Welcome to the Carry On Bags Only podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey. Joining me on today's episode is my friend, Tom, who shares with us his incredible story of overcoming a rugby injury through the art of adventure. After an extensive three years of rehabilitation, Tom was not sure if he would ever be able to play sports again. His positive outlook, determination, and a friend who introduced him to the world of adventure racing got him back up and running. He details some of his outdoor pursuits, such as rowing a small boat around Ireland with a group of friends to raise money for cystic fibrosis, and the remarkable history he discovered when a patch of rough water forced him to shore. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Tom, welcome to the Carry On Bags Only podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me on. It's good to hear from you. So it's great you're joining from Ireland today. Yeah, lovely bit of sun out today, so a bit of a shock. <laughs> I don't get that too often. <laughs> so for everyone that doesn't know, I met Tom in Dublin back in the summer of 2019. I was visiting Ireland with a mutual friend that Tom actually met while living abroad in Canada. Tom had actually just arrived back from an adventure through Yosemite National Park in the U.S. Uh, a couple of days before we met up we both realized that we have a passion for outdoor adventure racing. So Tom was one of the people that actually introduced me to the quest adventure series races, uh, which I've talked about in another episode. If you're curious, check it out. But I completed my first quest adventure race later in the same year in Clarny with Tom as well. So Tom, I wanted to know, how did you get into adventure racing? Yeah. So, um, I suppose, you know, looking back, what, um, what, drew me into racing and kind of I suppose fitness as a whole has always been you know high up in my list of priorities I I played sports since I was I'd say three you know it was probably what I was known for growing up played you know anything and everything where I was in 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 Wicklow in Ireland and I had a bit of an injury playing rugby in 2014 the injury, you know, it sort of uh, was serious enough that it still kind of impacted me today. But I was probably out of action for the guts of, of two, three years in terms of, um, you know, the implications around physio and having to, to rehab my knee. After that, throughout, I suppose, the, the process of rehabbing my knee, I kind of I was using a draw of sport as a kind of a drive to, you know, get through the the, the kind of healing side of things and the injury had um, impacted on the nerve in my knee. So part of that rehab process was trying to reestablish the, the nerve link between my brain and, and my, my lower foot because the, the nerve that was damaged was impacting how I was able to, you know, uh, flex my foot. Um, so I really felt that I needed sport and I needed something to kind of help me focus and 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 get uh on the, the the kind of train towards recovery and i had a friend who had just completed um one of the quest races in in glendalock so i kept in, in touch with her um she said right well you know when you feel up to it you know we should we should do something like that and i I didn't think that I would ever be in a position to do it. But as the rehab progressed and my, my specialist 
you know, had said, listen, that you're probably only going to be able to run in straight lines. And to me, when I when I had heard that, I was, you know, it was like Christmas Day because the, the news up to that point was was probably not good in terms of what I'd be able to do, whether I'd get the nerves working in, in my foot again. I had um, four ligaments transplanted in from from cadaver so in terms of those ligaments fusing and, and providing me with the stability to to run or uh, to move my knee similar to, to how I was able to move it you know I, I thought any sort of activity that would be you know weight bearing on, on my knee was was done and dusted so the specialist mentioned that you know you could possibly try um straight line running conversation with, with my friend I decided to join up to the, the adventure race in, in Glendalock thinking you know I'd be if I got around this thing in six seven hours um it doesn't matter get around this it, it was probably a real sort of personal battle it's kind of a there was a lot of um an emotional attachment to the reason why I, I was doing it almost the two fingers up to to this injury that had thrown me for 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 six so that's really how I, I ended up getting into it there's such amazing events the team that that put them on you know yourself the the social element is amazing um they they put a huge emphasis on um the collective and uh, the fun side of things you really you know you you feel great doing them because you know the stress and strain that you've put your body through and then realizing at the end of it that you can do that it's always useful to know that if you have to travel 60 kilometers where 15 of those kilometers are up a mountain and uh, 35 kilometers of, of those are, are, are over a mountain on a bike. It's nice to know that you can actually do that um, if the world ever ends and, and we have to get 60 kilometers away over a mountain. It's nice to know that I could probably get there. <laughs> <laughs> I sprained an ankle really bad um, before I had done my first adventure race. And I had never had anything like I've never broken a bone or anything like that. Yeah. So when I had the sprain, I didn't take it that seriously. And I kept re-spraining it. And I remember talking to the doctor and she's like, you know, you do have to take this seriously. Like you're going to have to be yeah. off your foot for at least six months. So I can't even imagine, um, you know, what you were going through with your injury. Yeah, it was, it's, it's probably something I'm actually only really processing. And, and just, I suppose, to this injury affected my, my leg. You know, I, I was, my, my, my head, my spine, all those really, really, really important parts of your body were, were not impacted. But in terms of my, in terms of me, this was relative to what I could do before. This, this injury had, you know, a fairly serious impact on, on, uh, on just my, my day to day and my lifestyle on there was a couple of things I, I remember about um going in in get, getting the injury initially I I, I started um I remember I absolutely wailed uh, in pain and to this day I'm still mortified about the noises that I made because initially I thought it was it was a broken leg but as I as you know word progressed um you know, and I was getting more and more information as as the CT scans and MRI scans and and, and X rays and all were coming back. I, I realized it, it was quite it was a bit more than that. 
broken in two places. Uh, my knee uh, was dislocated and my, my four ligaments snapped. My, I think it's my patella um, tendon. I think there's a nerve uh, through that that uh, severed or, or was, uh, was damaged, which causes uh, a foot drop is what they call. That has been the real, I suppose, the impact because it's still something that, that I can feel today, you know. I almost separated myself from the injury and I was so determined that I was going to be able to, uh, to, to get over this. I remember using the image of leaving the hospital um, without crutches and that was my, my image that I had. The physio was kind of in three times a week for, for probably six months or so. That was the image that, that was getting me through this. You know, I was... I was I'm, I, I could see myself walking out of the hospital with, without crutches. I, the, the time I left, the last time I, I, I left the hospital, um, it was with one crutch. And then I had a night out in Dublin uh, with the one crutch and I threw it in the river. The, the image that I was holding dear as this, um, I've done it, I've, I'm out of here. I didn't actually allow myself to have because uh, I threw it into the river after, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was you know for a, a long period. It was only when you know you you reached out to me and and you kind of I suppose asked a couple of questions and you know I I, I had this machine that was shocking my my nerve above my knee, which was sort of compressing all my muscles and and the the intention was to re-establish that link between my my knee and my foot because that's where the nerve is damaged and it's got I hadn't thought about that in in a couple of years and like I had that for a few months and and I had to put it on for 10 minutes every hour for four or five hours a day and I was like god I can't it it almost seems like it 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 wasn't me that that was that this was happening to or happened to um, and I think it was just that that type of the way I tried to um, just get over it was almost forget about it, not let it impact on my life as much as it could. And then probably just like bury all that stuff deep down. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny because I think I'm only probably starting to like process what it what it actually meant um, over the last, you know, the last year or so I suppose we're all processing things at the moment with with, mm-hmm. with COVID so you know when I felt I was able um it was like the shackles were off and you know I I, I signed up for whatever I, I I felt I could do or or whatever I felt I I could do at a stretch and that's where say the adventure racing came in um row around Ireland trip that I, I think I'd mentioned to you before came along at this amazing time where I was, you know, I, I, I had this brace on my leg. Um, I think I was probably a year and a half, two years into the rehab and was approached by a couple of friends and they were rowing a small boat around Ireland, which, you know, for me in my position, there's something I don't need my leg for. Yeah. And, and, and then all the adventure races, uh, I, you know, probably came six months to, to a year after that, after the road then, you know, so there was uh, a flow of really interesting, cool experiences that I, um, 
that I was able to to jump on board with. Yeah, no, it's super cool because I totally forgot about you rowing around Ireland. So I was so curious to hear a little bit more about that. And, you know, just wondering, like, how did that go? Like, did you run into any obstacles or was it, you know, smooth sailing? Like, how did that all kind of come together? Do you know what? It, it is, it's probably one of the things I'm probably most, most proud to have been a part of. It, it was an absolute, absolutely amazing experience to, to be a part of. So the premise of, of it was um, a friend of mine, Fionn, his dad was in the Merchant Navy and built this 15 foot Kirk that was initially, I think it was built for, for a lake effectively. So no real high water. Jer was his name. He had this idea that we'd, we'd row this boat thousand nautical miles around Ireland in aid of cystic fibrosis. Jer's family has I suppose, a few cases of cystic fibrosis in, in, in their family. I have a, had a friend who, who had cystic fibrosis. So it was a strong emphasis on, on the cause and uh, why we were doing this. We didn't, we weren't really rowing with any, we, we weren't looking to beat any records in terms of speed. So it actually took us four months. There was about, I think about 16 or 18 of us who, who would take turns um, whenever you had time available. Um, it was a two-man skiff. We rowed from Bray in Wicklow. Um, I think you were there. Yes. Um, and back into Bray then uh, four months later. So in terms of um, whether or not it was plain sailing, um, there were some very hairy moments. Um, the, the first day, actually, when we left Bray Harbour, we, we had to bail out the boat um, on, on a on a beach because of the the waters were, were so high i know some of the, the the legs up around antrim um so antrim you you kind of have you've got the irish sea coming up the east coast you've got the atlantic obviously coming in and then i think you've got the 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 north sea then um impacting and it creates this just messy sea um around the tip of antrim so there's a, a, an island called Ratlin island which by the accounts of my friends, uh, friend Barry and, and Jer, who, who built the boat, they said they they got an awful shock really going up around there. The water was just so high. It's notoriously dangerous. And they were in this 15-foot rowing skiff going between the island and the mainland, which, you know, is... I, I'm not necessarily someone who knows too much about the sea, but where you have an island and the mainland, the waters between the two are sound. They create this weird water patterns. So you might have, I think they're called eddies. And really it's just very unpredictable how the water is going to, to play out. And the two lads then just had a, a, an absolute battle with the sea. I had a crazy enough experience myself. This guy, Barry, a friend of mine who, who was on that row in the coast of, of Antrim, we hopped in the car from Dublin across to, to Sligo on a Friday evening, which is about, about a three and a half hour drive and got in the boat probably, we'll say about six o'clock. So I was in, in the summer and the light in Ireland, it, it can stay bright till about half 10 or 11 o'clock at night sometimes. So we knew we had we had some daylight there um, and we were rowing and rowing and rowing. Um, and we had this little map that we were looking at and it's a laminated map, so it's not massively detailed. And we thought that we could go 
through a little estuary and there was a break in the estuary that would connect us back up to the actual coastline. We kept rowing again and, and effectively we found ourselves rowing up a river. And when your objective is <laughs> to row around a country, you, you think keep the land on your right-hand side and keep no land on your left-hand side and you're, you're sorted. But we managed to um, make a balls of it really and, and had to stop and ask directions uh, to these, uh, a couple who were boat riding horses on, on, on the beach. There's another story then, it was the day after that actually, two of us got in, in the boat um, with the objective to row uh, across Dub, uh, Donegal Bay, which is, I think it's about a, it's about a 20 mile row if you go from point to point. It's quite a, a big patch of water. Um, so going from point to point on the Atlantic coast, um, you're going to get uh, hit with a lot of water coming in. We kind of realized that when we were maybe halfway and we were getting pushed in towards a, a load of rocks. And as we got kind of closer and closer to, to the rocks, we were like, we, we have to bail out here. I remember whether, you know, we were trying to get out of the boat or the, or the, the force of the waves pushed us out of the boat. But we, we were now in, in the water, but up to, we'll say, our, you know, just about within our depth. Um, and, and managed, I suppose, to struggle and get the boat back onto uh, onto onto the beach, the, the closest beach. And as we got onto the beach, um, uh, Fionn went to go to the headland with his phone to try and get reception. So the plan was that we'd ring our support boat, and uh, they would come, and you know, we'd we'd, we'd call it for the day because the water was just too too big. Yeah. Um, and I sat with the boat, and and this man I could, I could see him coming he walked over to us he said um god lads it's it's um it's it's a good job that you got in off the the water there because i saw you were moving in towards the 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 rocks there and um he said uh hold on there now and i'll, I'll go back to the house um uh and i'll get you a cup of tea like he goes by the way do you know you're on an island and we didn't and he said yeah, go on. I'll, I'll I'll be back in a few minutes with um with the tea. So he came back and was chatting away. Lovely man. Managed to forget the tea bags, but insisted on on myself and Fionn when he when he came back um drinking this boiling hot water with with sugar in it. And um, <laughs> he saw how how cold we were, and he just proceeded. He, t- he told us about the history of the island. This it's Coney Island in, um, off the coast of um of Sligo. And I think the Coney Island uh, in New York got its name from from this Coney Island. And it's a, a, a tidal island. So you can drive on and off uh, twice a day when, when, when the tide is out. And he told us that the patch of water that we had just rowed across or tried to anyway, um, is where the Spanish Armada were, were sank in the i think in the 16th century yeah so it was very you know it was it was filled with um if if you if you sat with any one of the other um 15 16 guys that that were on it they all have a story that will just you know it was just a kind of a highlight of of what the the row itself meant to them to that person and that was probably my my story from it you know it was just the hospitality that we received 
you know, there was a couple of other occasions where, where, where we'd row into little tiny small harbours completely off the beaten track, completely off the, the tourist trail that we would never even have known of. And because the, the team in the support car would go to the destination point first, the likelihood is that they'd go into the pub and they'd have a few pints and they'd start talking to people. And then the word would get round that, you know, geez, these lads are rowing around Ireland. Um, and on a, on, on a couple of occasions, the harbour would be filled with locals. And, you know, you'd have a big cheer when when the boat came in and there'd be two, two pints of Guinness handed to the guys in the boat. I remember we went into one pub um, down in Ballynagall in, uh, in County Kerry, so the absolute tip of, of County Kerry. We were sitting there and, and the owners of the pub gave us free food and the next minute this uh, a microphone was put in front of Jer, who, who built the boat, and it, it was the local radio station that speak, they only speak Irish, so um, they, they, they speak Gaelic. And it was just um, just an incredible experience where, you know, there's there's a, just a lot of those little small anecdotes that that everyone has and, and collected. And ultimately, at the end of the, the, the experience, we had 120,000 euro raised for cystic fibrosis, which was lovely. You know, it was lovely to have gotten the experience of the actual rowing and then having the result of um you know, a substantial bit bit of money for a cause that really meant a lot to to a lot of us, you know? Yeah, no, that's amazing. And just to know how much like you had to overcome to even, you know, be in this position to do this and the camaraderie that you have within, you know, the group that's doing it, but then also the camaraderie that you have with the people, you know, on the island yeah, or, you yeah. know, locally. And yeah. I, that's the one thing that I think is so fun about traveling is it really does bring people yeah. together. Yeah. And we're still like, we're quite a tight knit unit. Yeah, no, it was great. I still had the, um, the brace on my, my leg. So any the kind of heavy lifting of the boat, the lads were like, you take your time, you sit over there. And I avoided any of that. So I was happy enough with, with, with that. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's, it's incredible to hear how, you know, even just before this, how your positive mindset really allowed you to continue to move forward, because it's not always the case when people have injuries, they can, you know, really take a different turn. And the fact that you had this image in your mind of seeing yourself walking out of this hospital yeah, as yeah. kind of your motivation, it's, I, I just think it's really cool that you were able to really work towards that goal. And be able to do some of these amazing adventure races that maybe you wouldn't have gotten into before. Yeah, no, it, it was. And, you know, it was, I was really grateful that in terms of timing, the world presented me with these opportunities at times that really, really helped, you know. I, I remember I was, um, because I, I was on, you know, a fair bit of painkillers because there was, a, there, I think there was four or five operations over an extended period of time. So, you know, I was on these these tablets um, that uh, I would remember taking the tablets to reduce the pain and then feeling this like really the sense of just joy going through me. And I was thinking like I'm getting I'm taking these for the prescribed amount. But, you know, I'm, I'm to be feeling immediately this good and, and to be taking these too many times 
it's not good for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of tried, I put those to the side, but I, I remember thinking, God, it could have been very easy to just be like, to succumb to the fact that this injury was there. You know, I, I'm, I've been told, you know, take these when, when the pain is there and the pain was still there, but I just felt that like that I'm, it's very easy to use these as a crutch, you know, um, a metaphorical crutch as opposed to the, the crutch the that's in the river. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking too. <laughs> oh man. No. So some of the other, uh, adventures that I wanted to talk about was you obviously had done, um, France and you went down into the U S too. So, I don't know how did all of that kind of come to be because you went with a group of guys, was it for? When yeah, you- so I'm blessed that I have friends uh, that I can take advantage of really uh, on both occasions um, for France and for for Yosemite. It was a case where I was able to take advantage of of their friendship, <laughs> which I, I hold no bones about. Uh, but uh, w- one of the one of my friends uh, I'd known from school that works with Aer Lingus um, so he can get a kind of a friends deal he organized a trip to uh, Yosemite where we we went and the plan was that we'd spend the majority of our time in Yosemite and then we'd go to Lake Tahoe and wrap it up with uh, some nice wine down in, in Napa Valley again it was just one of the like one of the best trips that that we've been on because it was such a, a couple of days in, in Yosemite were, were, were amazing. You know, we got three or four fairly intense days of, of, of hiking in and camping. You know, I think it was about five and a half thousand feet of elevation. And throughout the, the hike, it was a, a 60K hike that we did over two days. And we wanted to do it over, over two days, despite the... The rangers telling us that you know the the time really for this is is, is three days but in terms of the, the itinerary for the rest of the trip we put that little bit of extra pressure on ourselves thinking that we're oh we're yeah we're, we can do it in two days um we kind of bit off a little bit more than we could chew because the elevation on the first day was about a thousand meters and we packed probably a little bit stupidly um, and had a bit more on our back than we we should have. A friend of mine, Barry, is a, is a good musician, so he insisted on, on us bringing these tiny little guitars. So when we, were, <laughs> when we were camping, we'd have a bit of music to play along with. Um, but effectively, was a bit too much. And then having to wake up the next morning after after camping and do the same elevation again. Once we'd risen the first day, we had to come back down onto the valley floor, camp, and then rise again the same the same height. So I remember in terms of a, of an actual challenge, one of the toughest things mentally that that I've done because we were supposed to do thirty k and thirty k each day, but I think we probably did twenty three the first day and had to make up the rest on the second day with that same elevation rise. And oh, um, wow. so really we're exhausted. Middle of summer in California, really hot. You know we we had a little purifier to to get water out of some of the rivers that we were you know um tracking on on a map and then some of the rivers that were marked on on the map had there was had been a drought so there was no water so we'd get to to certain points you know expecting some water and then having to look at the map and go okay and our next water is not really till 5k um or it could be 10k or whatever it was you know but after we we finished it we were absolutely exhausted but absolutely 
just buzzing about the scenery, about the whole experience. I remember when we when we set off first, because again, like we we had hiked before, but we'd, we'd never really done a multi-day hike. In this part of the, the river um, that was flowing into, uh, there was a, a reservoir just at the start before we kind of got off into the, in amongst it. This part of the river, for some reason, I think it was it was flowing from the high points of, of the mountain. The water was flowing really heavily. We could have done with that water flowing really heavily in the other parts where we were looking for for um, <laughs> drinking water. But this yeah. particular part, and it had washed away one of the railings of the bridges that we had um, that we ha- had to cross in order for us to really go on this this hike. The rangers at the the trailhead were telling us that. A couple of fatal accidents over the last, uh, I think, a week or so. So we got to this and we had to like kind of just kind of it sort of set the tone that like this isn't there's no messing around here. You know, you have to we had to like grab a hold of the remaining railing while the water was sort of spilling in over us. Probably we we'll say half a foot of fairly intense water flowing underneath underfoot. We, we got across, no problem, uh, you know, but it, it's just set the tone that was like, right, guys, we're not we're not messing around here. This is this is pretty serious. We, we kind of have to look out for what's around. You know, we had the bear canister. We saw uh, all sorts of wildlife, but, but really in the back of our mind, we're like, we need to be conscious of the, the environment, conscious of where we're going to get our water um, and conscious of time and distance because you know if you know we, we have to get to where we need to be within the certain time frame or else we're, we're we're going to be causing some other people a lot of havoc you know but an incredible place i think free solo the climbing documentary had just came out so we were we were kind of buzzing about this you know we we're like oh it's amazing we're in we're in yosemite now we stayed firmly on the ground but <laughs> You know, it's just like God. This this is just an incredible place to be. The the wildlife we saw, these incredible birds, stellar jays. I don't know if you have them in in Canada, do you? They kind of look like blue jays. Yeah, amazing. You know, and then just just with the, with the lads that I was with, we know each other for years through playing rugby in school, and it was just a nice mix. You know, because we all had to kind of we had to g each other on because. There was times where, you know, someone was just like really, really tired and, and had to just kind of grin and bear it. Then had a nice evening. It's a dark sky reserve. So in terms of uh, looking at stars and picking out um, constellations, all that sort of stuff, it was incredible. We had a little small bottle of whiskey that we just were passing around. It was pre-COVID, obviously, which is you know, a different world. Yeah. And it was just this incredible experience, you know, something that, that I'll never forget. And, and it was great to do with the, with the lads um, that I've known for, for years. And, you know, we've gone through school together. So there's something different about, you know, when you grow up with, with, with lads versus, you know, they've seen the, the best and worst of me and I've seen the best and worst of them. And, and uh, yeah, it was just, just an amazing, amazing trip. And then, Went down to Lake Tahoe and, and relaxed, then finished up in, in Napa Valley. Sampled some of the, the grapes down there. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice way to end the trip. 
yeah, it was. It was. It was brilliant. The other trip that I wanted to talk to you about was your trip to France because you, if I don't, if I remember correctly, you went like was it like a month later or two months later? You you guys did the France trip. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. So again, this this was um, great when you have have friends living in these places. Yeah, France. I had a friend who had been living in, in Chamonix with her partner. We decided myself and another couple we'd, we'd head over and it was just an incredible experience it's it's uh sh- she was living in Chamonix um and I'd been there a couple of times before so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into but I'd gone uh, during the winter season for snowboarding I, you know my 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 forecast of the trip was okay I've been there I, I know what the place looks like when it's snowing <laughs> picture it with sun but it, you know, it was just incredible. You know, you're 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 in the Alps. Um, the place where we were staying has a view of Mont Blanc. You know, postcard pictures everywhere on their little balcony. Hand gliders just coming from from the top of one of the peaks. Pretty much just landing, maybe fifty to hundred meters uh, to the left, and it's just it was such a lovely, calm place and. We, yeah, we, we, we did, um, I think, three days of hiking. We stayed in one of the huts at, at the top of one of the one of the peaks, which was brilliant. It's not every day that um, you, you get to stay in these these places, especially coming coming from Ireland. And yeah, so like we, we, we Sarah was was the guide, I suppose, that's friends with us. And she was she had been living there for nearly a year, I think it was. So she had the lay of the land um, and was able to show us around all these places. Um, and it was brilliant. This this trip that we were on, it, it's happened to me uh, before where I realise retrospectively how, um, how good the trip was after I've been on it. This one was a bit different. You kind of realise that there was just something amazing about the the trip that we were on we just got on really well as four friends you know and the the hikes that we were doing the experiences we were on you know the the food that we ate everything was just it was just an amazing experience sarah brought us to um this thing called the the via ferrata might be pronouncing it wrong and and effectively it's think the via ferrata premises that they were during either World War One or World War Two, they're almost horseshoe type bolts that are like hammered into into the the cliff or whatever you're 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 looking to to climb, and you just climb until you're at the top, basically. So it's not necessarily there's no B lane. There's, there's, it's it's not climbing. It's effectively a ladder, but to three of us, we'd never done really anything like that before. Sarah didn't really explain to us that we were about to to climb for an hour and a half and hang off the side of a cliff. We were definitely a little bit fearful of of, of this, a lot, a lot fearful really. But we we did it. Never thought we'd be in a position to to do something like that. And um, the views. Are just incredible you know looking back at some of the photos are just just an amazing experience and all of those everything sort of galvanized together and it, it just created this um 
great trip that I suppose I knew it would be good, but effectively it was a trip where we were going to go over and see our friend. It was just, it was so much more than, than, than that, you know, it was just a really, um, a really good experience. We actually, the four of us ended up getting um, the same tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there might have been Jägermeister involved in, in decision, but <laughs> we got them and uh, yeah, yeah, they're just, uh, it, was, it was a really good experience. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till we can do it again. Yeah, I know. It's it's funny because there were some trips that I did in 2019 that I was kind of uncertain if I should do them from like a, oh, this is like a lot of money and should I yeah. be doing this? And I just, something in my gut was like, just do it. Like, you're yeah. not going to regret it. I am so grateful looking back on it now that I did. And one of the trips too is the girls trip that I did with Ashley, who's our mutual friend yeah. um, to Ireland. And we were talking for years about wanting to do a trip together and it just never happened. Finally, it's like the stars aligned and, yeah. and it ended up working out because I was actually supposed to go on an adventure race to Ireland in July, just before we were going to meet up and it ended up getting canceled due to low participation. And so I was a little bummed because I was like, oh, I was really looking forward to this trip. And then Ashley was like, well, my friend Tom, you know, he lives in Ireland, like we should meet up with him. And she's like, oh, but he's, we're, we're not gonna see him because he's down in the US. And it's like, oh, okay. And then it ended up just working out because I flipped around my trip and then we were able to meet up with you after, you know, it was, it was cool because we got to see Ireland from a local's perspective, which I always really enjoy. And I think that's one of the great things about traveling is that you meet people in different places. And then effectively, if you want to go visit, it's like, you know, someone. So yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And I know like from your, from the trips that you've done, I know you like, I'm looking and listening to you going god she's she's doing so many cool trips like and it's encouraging me then to look further afield beyond what i would normally do you know and yeah that god that that trip was it was uh you know i probably wasn't really <laughs> sure what i was getting myself into uh, but it was brilliant um uh, you know we we'd great fun it was great taking you around Wicklow especially you know I'm 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 from Wicklow which is just below Dublin and I, and I it, it it's very dear uh, in my heart so you were able to see my one of my favorite places in the world um the Bel Air hotel it's like nice. 40 hours yeah and you know I have to say it was it was such a, a surprising not even necessarily surprising but it was just a really great couple of days for me you know, it was great that you just hopped on board with with uh, whatever way we were, um, you know, whatever plan that we forged that yeah. day. <laughs> well, and that was the thing, like a lot of the stuff we did, we didn't have a plan. Like it was kind of on the fly because um, I remember we went to like a rave bingo out of nowhere, <laughs> which me and Ashley, that was definitely not on our radar. And that's early, didn't we? Yeah. And then if we tried to get McDonald's and the bird stole your hamburger and flew away. <laughs> it's probably a sensitive subject. I should probably not bring that up. You should see the size of them now. Like they're ridiculous. Those seagulls it's, there is a, a problem in Dublin with the seagulls. It's just outrageous. Yeah. I was devastated losing that burger. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's the problem. That's probably where it all happened, to be honest. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. no, I think it's, it's really about finding, you know, friends that you can travel with and you have to have an open mind, I think in some ways too. And I don't know, you just got to find friends that you can, you can go with that. If, if stuff does happen, it's like, you can let it roll off your back and continue to have a good time and not let it impact the trip itself. So, and it's, you know, I suppose it's interesting now when when we're all, uh, you know, lacking travel, we can't travel, you know, that you're really, I know I personally am, am finding out like what I actually really love about the experience. And we're saying that, you know, if you, when you're traveling, so you've, say you're, say you have a trip booked for 10 days, you might have that booked two months in advance. So you've got two months to look forward to this trip. You've got the 10 days of the trip and then you've got the i suppose the repercussions of the trip from from the memories from god it was interesting to see how that culture worked in that way or um you know even then personally how you how you maneuver traveling with someone if you are traveling with someone and you kind of have to bend and and flex and and mold and um you know you learn it's not just about being in a different country. You, 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 you immediately land open-minded because you have to, like, you, you know, this is not your place. You, yeah. you, you have to um, diffuse into the environment that, that you're in. And all that is, you know, it's really, um, really benef- beneficial to, to people. And, you know, we're all missing that at the moment, which is a pity. Yeah, I know. And I think I'm hoping that, you know, talking through some of our adventures that will help inspire people to go on travel, whether it's solo or with friends or, um, you know, whatever kind of travel it looks like for everyone. But I just think I'm so grateful for the travel that I got to have prior to, you know, not being able to travel. And my, my advice would just be to anyone, like, just, if you're thinking of it, do it, like go and have that experience because you just, you just never know what kind of, you know, memories you'll make and people that you'll meet along the way. Yeah. And it's just an incredible experience. So absolutely. Yeah. So before we end out the episode, I like to do some rapid fire travel questions. So are you game? Yeah. Go for All it. right. Okay. So the first question is how would you rate yourself as a traveler on a scale of one to 10? One being the lowest and 10 being the highest. I, I can't give myself a 10 because <laughs> I don't want to give myself a one. And then people are like, well, she's only got a one traveler on her podcast. No one's going to listen. To <laughs> I think a seven is a seven is a solid number. But I, the reason for it, like, I think I'm happy enough to go with the flow um, when it comes to traveling. Um, and so that can be both good and bad I think I think it's good in that right well if we come across people you know that are telling us this is the way you should this is how you should travel or this is uh what I would recommend um you know great but but also it might mean then that your your itinerary is is compromised you know Um, yeah so there you go that's my um I don't know uh seven Seven is right. <laughs> I'd give you a little higher than that. I, okay. <laughs> I feel like you bring a good sense of humor. So it like knocks nice. it. Off. Nice. 17 then. There you go. 
Uh, all right. So next question is, have you traveled with carry on bags only? I went to Scotland with a plastic bag and a toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's next level carry on bags. You got me beat. All right. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word travel? Um, I would say experience, both good and bad. I think even bad experiences are good experiences. Uh, if we were to open up your carry on bag, what is the number one necessity that we would find packed? A toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> good. Now to stay fresh. There you go. Do you recline your seat on an airplane? No, I'd love to. I don't have, I don't have it in me. That moment where you, like, I'm just, I've always thought, like, how do you approach that? <laughs> Is it just, do you just go for it? Or do you kind of do the acknowledging, you know, turn slightly around and like give a little nod? So, no. All right. And do you care if the person in front of you reclines their seat? I, I kind of do, but I hope they've had the same sort of mental thought process that, that I've had. <laughs> I hope they're in turmoil and I hope, I hope when they have reclined it, it's only after about half an hour of them battling with themselves about whether they should or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, last question. So where are you going to travel to next when it is safe to travel again? So my, um, last year in May, we were supposed to go on our first family holiday. Um, I'd say since I'd say in 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we are going to Lake Como. We were supposed to go to Lake Como in Italy. Then I deferred it till this year to May and going to defer, I've deferred it again until next May. So that looks to be, that's what's set in stone. Um, so I might, I will definitely try and get away before then, but that's Lake Como in Italy. Um, so yeah, there's some, some obviously some water sports and hiking and uh, I believe wine. Oh, that's so great. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being on the podcast today. And hopefully in the near future, we can do an adventure race. No, hopefully we can. Yeah, it'd be great um, to uh, get the old band back together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into the Carry On Bags Only podcast. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep calm and carry on.